Making a recipe that calls for butter? Make it better with European butter from France. With a minimum of 82% butter fat, it's no wonder French butter is the number one choice of chefs the world over. Whether you're whipping up an omelet, sauteing vegetables, or spreading it on toast, the rich, cultured flavor of butter from France always elevates. Be sure to look for Made in France on the label. And for recipes, tips, and tricks, go to tasteeurope.com. I'm an introvert, but when you are making YouTube video, you are just like talking to, like now, like yeah. talking to my friend who is operating camera, he's asking me questions. So it was kind of perfect. I feel like there are so many YouTubers are super introvert, but you know. This is Taste. I'm your host, Matt Rodbard. Rie McClenney is a video host and cookbook author who rose to acclaim in the test kitchen at BuzzFeed, where she hosted video series including Make It Fancy. On this episode, we find out about her journey from Japan to professional kitchens in Los Angeles to YouTube stardom. We also talk about her terrific debut cookbook, Make It Japanese, Simple Recipes for Everyone. I hope you enjoy this conversation. Rima McClenney, welcome to This Is Taste. So cool to meet you. Thank you so much for having me. I love what you do. I'm a huge fan. Since the BuzzFeed days, I remember watching your videos and being like, wow, you have such a skill. You're so good at explaining technique, Japanese technique, or just any technique to all audiences. Oh, thank you so much. It's kind of interesting to hear because, um, you know, like English is not my first language, so... It's very interesting people say that, but I um, fortunately heard that often. Yeah. I think I think like since, you know, like I don't speak English as a native tongue, I feel like I have very straightforward way of explaining. Yeah. Maybe that's why. Yeah, it's it's a great point. And also you you're very skilled at cooking. You've worked professionally. You've worked at Rustic Canyon with Susan Goen. You've cooked, uh, you've gone to culinary school. So I think there's a combination of uh, but, but thinking about simplicity and also just having dope chops. Yeah, I, um, so when I started working for Tasty, that was one of the struggle because at the restaurant, as a chef, you want to use the best ingredients and, um, you know, like kind of expensive ingredients sometimes. But for Tasty, our majority of audience are you know, beginner cooks and who doesn't have a lot of access to super expensive ingredients. So we try to make it simpler and more accessible. And I feel like that trained me and um, um, I think it was a great training. Yeah. Let's talk about New York. You've been in town for a few days. What do you, where have you been going? What's, what's, what's it like? You live in L.A. We'll, we're going to talk about some of your history, where, where you cooked, where you work. But what's New York been like? Okay, so um, I just arrived two days ago. First night, my former boss, I used to work for Corinne. Um, yeah. It's a knife shop. It's, we don't, we should, I shouldn't say knife shop. It's a tableware Japanese. <laughs> oh, we know Corinne. Corinne <laughs> is amazing. And I, you're going to talk about your boss who I've had a meal with who's amazing. Yeah, so um, Korea is a very special place. Yes. Whenever I talk to somebody who is into food, 
they immediately know where it is and who, you know, what mm-hmm. it is. But when I talk to like my normal, normal friends, yeah. non-food friends, <laughs> they were like, where is that? Like, why, why is no, that? It's yeah. a great story. So you went out with your, your old boss? Yeah. So she was, she's very proud of what I've done. Right. What's her name? Let's remind everyone. Saori. Yeah, Saori, right. She's great. Yeah. yeah so she took me to 53. Yeah. It's a Singaporean restaurant. Have mm-hmm. you heard? I haven't been yet. No. It's um very um bougie. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> it was delicious. She also like ordered a Dom Perignon. Oh, wow. Popping yeah. pop pop bottles. <laughs> Rie's book's out this week, so pop some Dom. I like that. Yeah, we partied. No. Love that. Uh, yeah. Yeah, she's she's very nice. And Corin really is a place, if you're in New York City and you want to buy a, a great knife or any Japanese product that you're, like a Donabe or c- ceramics or table setting, it's such a good store. You worked there. That's why you know her. Yes. I was there from 2010 to 2014. Wow. Yeah. So you got to know a lot of chefs, I'm sure. Yes. Like, um... I, yeah, like, I've seen so many famous chefs. They are, you know, casually walking and hanging around. And um, I think one of the reasons I went to culinary school is meeting cooks and chefs in Korean because they are so passionate what mm-hmm. they do. I also get to visit their restaurant, and it was so intense but exciting. So, uh, yeah, and um, one of my um, friend was visiting Corin. His name is Max Sussman. Yeah, of course. Yeah. So. I know Max, yeah. <laughs> and I was telling him I'm going to culinary school and I want to be a food stylist. And he said, oh, I'm shooting my cookbook. You have to come and hang out. And I did. I went and um, hung out with food stylist and he told me, you know, a few secrets. Yeah. And that kind of like made me, wow, like this is a job I want to pursue. That's so cool. Max, Max Sussman, what a nice what a nice move. Yeah. To shoot, but it's super sweet. You went to culinary school. You ended up in L.A. And um, I'd like to hear a little bit about working in restaurants. You worked at Rustic Canyon. You worked at Suzanne Goen. But talk about your, your time working in L.A. restaurants. So my first restaurant was Rustic Canyon. My friend was already walking in there so he said oh you should come over and like you know hang out and see if you like and um it was so fun (laughs) (laughs) and um that was my first stop after culinary school so everything I've seen I've done was like super exciting like California ingredients it's wonderful and like dehydrated beets pulp yeah um I was working for chef Jeremy Fox And he it's so innovative and his flavor is so complex, but um, uh, and also at the same time, it's very simple. So I was just like, I had so much um, fun walking under him. I love that you bring up Jeremy Fox. I love to have him on the show. Just mm. such a fan of his cooking. I've, I've, I've been to Rustic Canyon a couple of times. Really wonderful place. Um, we'll get to your book, and I've got a bunch of questions about uh, Mika Japanese, but I want to get to your eventual home at BuzzFeed, which is how many of us listeners and just in general know you. But let's get into, like, how you got that job. So you're living in L.A., you're working at Rustic Canyon, and how do you end up on like on Tasty on like the number one platform back then? And and really, what was that first? Was a job interview like? Yeah. So um, after Rustic Canyon, I started working for Chef Suzanne Going, mm-hmm. and I was there about a year. And I had a burnout, you know, as a lot of cooks 
you know, sometimes. <laughs> yeah. That night, I started looking for a job, and I didn't know where to start because I didn't know any person who was doing food styling for a living. So I went to LinkedIn and went to see where um, French Culinary Institute graduates are working for. Um, I went to French Culinary Institute, um, and then it's become International Culinary Center, yeah, and now it's... Yep. Kind of merged, sorry, yeah. merged together. But um, uh, so I went to uh, LinkedIn and <laughs> started looking for where the graduates are working for. And a lot of people are working for BuzzFeed Food. Mm -hmm. So I went to BuzzFeed website and, you know, they have like corporate site and like there's a job. Yeah, you know, jobs tab. tab. Yeah. <laughs> right, find it. Yep. We've all done it. We know we you know you got that job you don't love and you're on LinkedIn looking for the work. Yeah. So I went to a job, like I clicked the job tab and um, you know, like filtered the Los Angeles. And there was um um job posting. They were looking for somebody Japanese or who can speak Japanese fluently and who also speak English and who had cooking experience and uh, graduated culinary school. <laughs> I they, wonder who that person might be. <laughs> right? So, like, I thought, oh, my God, like, they are looking for me. And I applied, and I eventually got the job. Yeah. Um, so the job interview was also interesting. There were um, five people, and um, I think, like, most of them are producers. And they just, like, asked me, you know, like normal question. And one of them, one of the question was, is there any food you don't want to eat or cook? And I said, bugs. <laughs> <laughs> you just said out of your head, you're just like bugs. I'm yeah. just no bugs. No bugs, please. And they were like, fair enough. <laughs> and um, uh, yeah, and then I got the job. Um, later on, I asked one of my friends who was interviewing me, like how many people applied because I saw there was only me. And she said, actually, there are two people, including you, applied, and that person wasn't even Japanese or, like, doesn't speak Japanese. So, mm. basically. They didn't really follow the assignment. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's, ama yeah. it's amazing that you answer this, this ad, but then you end up on the platform and you're <laughs> doing your own style of cooking. And, and let's get into that a little bit. What is um, your style? Yeah, what's what's it like? Uh, articulate that a little bit. Um, so that job was um, for Tasty Japan. They were launching Tasty Japan, and um, they actually didn't have a um, like five days a week job. So they only gave me three days a week, and I mm. couldn't, you know, afford myself just working three days. Yeah. So um, I kept my AOC kitchen job. Dang. So I went to Tasty's Kitchen doing recipe developing. That position was recipe developer. Oh, okay. So it was more like just figuring out recipes and, and kind of not on camera. Exactly. Yeah. So um, I um, I went to BuzzFeed Test Kitchen from 9 and uh, 9 to 2. Mm -hmm. Hop on the Uber because I wasn't I couldn't drive that time. I wow. didn't have a driver's license. In L.A., wow. <laughs> yeah. And then I hop on, uh, changed to, you know, chef's clothes and hop on my bicycle and went to AOC and cooking until midnight. And I did that for three months. Um, but um, um, I thought it was perfect job because recipe developing is something I was very interested in and also food styling. And then they asked me, are you interested doing production side, like 
filming and editing. Like if you, uh, mm-hmm. if we teach you, are you interested? And I was like, yes. So they taught me like very basic stuff, like how to film, how to edit on Premiere. Mm-hmm. I never touched DSLR. Wow. So I also didn't want to feel, you know, behind. And this is my dream job. So like I have to grab it and you never let go. You enjoyed film. Yeah. So um, I also took online course like on a Saturday, like weekend mm-hmm. and try to learn as quickly as possible. Um, at that time, we are doing top, um, we call top-down video. It's like pots and pans. Hands and pans. <laughs> hands and pans, so yeah. Yeah, the hands and pans videos. Iconic, invented mm-hmm. at BuzzFeed. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, so I thought it was perfect because I always have this um, self-consciousness about my English. I have thick accent. My English is not perfect. So, oh, this is perfect. Just me cooking my hands. So I was... Um, Hands and pans producer <laughs> oh. <laughs> for um, like most of the time in BuzzFeed. And then they started filming um, YouTube style video. And, um, you know, like how BuzzFeed does, like they just ask coworker, hey, like we are filming this and can you, you know, hop on the mm-hmm. camera. Which is kind of their vibe. Is, and, and, you know, BA kind of followed it too. It's like, let's get like a crew together. Let's say these are like the BuzzFeed tasty crew. And mm-hmm. yeah, you became an iconic star of BuzzFeed Food. You were there. You were on camera a lot. Yeah. So first I didn't want to do it um, because, you know, like there you you read the comments and there's hundreds of nice comments. But when you see one negative comment, yeah. that's like, you know, yeah. sting you. So um, there was like somebody making fun of my accent. I was like, I'm not like, you know, I'm not built for like, I don't have a thick skin. But um, mm. I think like I, my Kind of like breakthrough, do you? I don't know. I don't want to say breakthrough. Yeah, breakthrough. I I think I know what you're going for, breakthrough. Yeah, so there is a very popular series called Worth It. Um, So there is three um, producers, um, Stephen, Andrew, and Adam. They go out restaurant. They try same dish but different price point. Mm -hmm. So like cheapest uh, French fry and a medium, you know, price French fry and the most exp- expensive French mm. fry. And they kind of eat them all and like compare if it's worth it. And um, they did a Japan episode and I, you know, tag along with them as a translator, but I was on camera. And after that episode was aired, um, people started recognize me on the street and it was very strange feeling. I must have been, but, the, but then the general population is like, we want more Rie. Like we want, we want these videos. I, yeah. So people, um, you know, as a producer want, want me to be on camera yeah. against my will. <laughs> <laughs> but um, it was, I'm an introvert. But when you are making YouTube video, you are just like talking to, like now, like yeah. talking to my friend who is operating camera. He's asking me questions. Mm-hmm. So it was kind of perfect. I feel like there are so many YouTubers are super introvert, but, you know. Yeah, there's a way, I think, that, you know, you get out of your shell a little mm-hmm. bit when you, when the camera turns on or if it's in a very intimate space, it's just two of you or you're self-taping. Yeah, it's, it's it makes sense that some introverts actually excel. Yeah, so. Um, yeah, I've done a bunch of like, I produced a bunch of um, series and, um, but my favorite one was 
talking about Japanese food throughout, like, you know, they're the same, like, throughout the seasons or how I eat throughout the day kind of、um, theme video. And I was kind of just talking about、um, this, what's kind of Japanese food we eat at home. Like, we don't actually eat sushi、right. every day at、right. home. I feel like that people really like that kind of、yeah. uh, like storytelling. Absolutely. So let's, let's talk about the title. I mean, it, it says, I think, so much. And I, I believe you're, you're going for something here as like a mission is make it Japanese. It doesn't necessarily mean make it traditional Japanese. It means something else. Rie, tell me what you're going for here. Yeah. So,、um, as for the title,、um, I have this YouTube series called Make It Japanese.、Mm-hmm. Uh, no, sorry.、Yeah. I have this YouTube series called Make It Fancy. And my、um, editor, Jen, said when we are brainstorming about our title, she had like, we had like, Several titles, ideas, and she kind of jokingly said, How about Make It Japanese? Your Make It Fancy、um, YouTube series is doing so well, and, and like it can be Make It Japanese can be next. And I thought, Oh, it's actually a great title for my book because people probably know me from Make It Fancy. So,、um, shout out to Jen <laughs> Sit right there. Yeah. But、um, the theme of the book is、um, kind of how I cook in my kitchen. Because,、um, you know, like the best cure for homesickness is cooking your own country's food. But、um, Japanese ingredients is not always available in American grocery store. Like, I don't see any thinly sliced beef or thinly sliced pork that we use a lot in Japanese cooking. So I've, you know, Like, I don't want to say compromise. I started experimenting, like, okay, so I don't have thinly sliced pork, but I want to make this pork、um, ginger.、Mm-hmm. But we have pork chop. So, like, why not? Yeah. yeah. You know, before we start focusing a little bit more on the recipes, I just wanted to ask you、um, when you're writing this book, were there any myths or like, like fake news or false information about Japanese? Home cooking that you wanted to debunk?、Um, I feel like a lot of non Japanese people think Japanese cooking is complicated or a little bit difficult to do. And also, like some people might think it's too simple.、Um, I feel like it, it's very simple, but our seasoning is so flavorful and complicated. So, you know, like we don't use. Lots of salt, but we use soy sauce and it's so complex and it's aged so many times. So it takes a long time, but when you are cooking at home, it can be a shortcut. And um, um, a lot of people think like Japanese cooking is super complicated because a lot of Japanese restaurants are very expensive,、mm-hmm. but we don't usually eat tempura or sushi. All the time at home,、uh, we don't do hibachi. 
Right. I mean, you're talking about a lot of like amazing restaurant dishes, ramen as well. You could even say soba. A lot of these are, are common Japanese dishes, but they're served at restaurants. Instead, and, and your book is filled with so many cool recipes, you know, you base recipes in the Donabe, which I think we're entering Donabe season, right? Mm-hmm. It's like the, you know, like the clay earthenware pot that you can cook basically anything through steam or through boiling. And like, let's get into a few of the Donabe recipes that I just love. Yeah, um, donabe is um, uh, clay pot, and we mainly use for hot pot, but um, you can actually use for anything. Like, you can cook rice, you can, like, you know, braise, because um, it retains heat long time. So, um, yeah, it's a very versatile cooking um, vessel. Right. And also, it's beautiful. So you cook on the stovetop, and you can just bring to the table as a presentation as well. It's really true. Um, having a Danabe is, is a beautiful centerpiece. And, you know, you can braise fish in, in soy sauce mirin. Um, you can definitely, you know, do a slow-cooked squash mm-hmm. um, with rice. Um, there's a lot of cool ways to cook with it. There's another dish, the salmon and vegetable namazuki. And I love the technique there. And you're frying fish and then you're marinating it. It's a two-step process. And, and I feel that is a unlock for me. That is amazing. I love that. I think this is heavily um, inspired by Spanish escabeche. Exactly. Yeah. Yep. So um, there, I think um, we have a lot of like Spanish-Portugal-influenced dish in Japan because a um, long time ago... Um, the missionary people came to Japan for the first time. And um, Namba means South Barbarian. Wow. (laughs) So, yeah, Zuke means um, like marinated. Mm -hmm. So um, I think like they are saying like South Barbarian is Spanish. Yeah, the Spanish, the people who came, the barbarians (laughs) from the South, they did this whole thing with, with, with marinated fish. But you're, you're pan-frying fish, you're marinating it for a few days, and you're serving with vegetables. Yeah, so my mom used to make it, and um, she used anchovies. Yeah. Um, and it's tiny fish, and she, you know, fry whole and uh, marinate it with vinegar. And you want to kind of marinate overnight, at least. And vinegar disintegrate the little bones. Mm. So you can actually eat, like, bones as well. Yeah. Um, but... You know, like I don't see a lot of anchovies here, and I d- don't think anchovy is um, for home cooking. Yeah. <laughs> so I've decided to swap the ingredients. Salmon is, you know, a lot of people are comfortable cooking salmon. So yeah, and also I used she didn't use um, red onion, um, just like white onion, but I like the colorful, like you know, festivity. So. I kind of add my twist. You have a twist in, in photography. We'll talk about Jenny uh, and her. We'll talk about Jenny Afuso mm-hmm. and her and her, her photography later. But I, I want to keep going along the recipes because um, dashi is a thread that runs throughout this entire book. Mm-hmm. And I just want to get a sense for our listeners. How do you think about dashi? You have several dashi recipes, but I love it. it is definitely truly making it Japanese is, is cooking with the root of dashi. How do you, do you make a, a pot of dashi and have it in your fridge for the week and then, you know, use it throughout the week? Is that how that works? I usually make small batch of dashi. Um, I introduced how to make dashi from scratch. 
but there is like alternative as well. My favorite one is like already like coming uh, almost like like a tea bag. Yeah, those those I love the cloth, the cheesecloth packets. Yeah, yeah, so you can make like as little as like six cups of dashi. So um, if you want, you can make but you know big batch, but. Dashi is very important and fundamental of Japanese cuisine. And um, I feel like I was explaining to somebody, it's, I feel like it's a primer. Like when you paint, you, yep. like, you use primer. And if you don't use primer, it, it's not smooth, right? So it, it's not like showing on a dish. You don't see dashi in the dish. But it's there, and it's kind of like very important part of your dish. Absolutely, you walk into any any solid to even average Japanese restaurant, and you're gonna have that that wave hit you, mm-hmm. and it's usually gonna be dashi, right? And and that that that's a really distinct flavor and and scent and and vibe for Japanese restaurant. Yeah, and um, if you don't have time to make, you know, even like, you know, package dashi, we have instant dashi. Yeah. It's like granulated, like powder. Dashida, powder. Yeah. yeah. And I, I think like it, it's, you know, instant and you kind of feel like you're kind of cheating. But if it helps you cook, like why not? Oh, of course. Yeah. That's great. So the corn rice, it mm-hmm. just jumped off the page. <laughs> I just love the the way you think about corn rice. Uh, and we eat plenty of corn in the States. So let's let's get into what your corn rice is. Yeah. So it's actually a popular dish in Japan. Um, you know, our main diet is rice. So we have various kind of rice dishes. And it's very seasonal. Um, my favorite one is chestnut rice in autumn. Like this is now it's the season, but it's very labor intensive. Yeah. But corn is summer staple. Um so corn rice is a kind of staple dish during the summertime. And corn, butter, and a soy sauce combination, it's gold. Ugh, like, yeah. have you tried popcorn with soy sauce and butter? You know what? I haven't, but I, I, I've had like... I've had like, you know, hurricane popcorn in Hawaii. What's hurricane popcorn? Like, like with... Um, with like bonito and with uh, kim, you know, like mm. seaweed. But I've never had it with, with soy sauce. It's Explain. just like simple. Um, if you go to Japanese grocery store, yeah. you would see like a lot of different flavor. Um, there is like soy sauce and potato chips, like soy sauce butter. So like next time if you go to like movie theater, mm. just sneak in like packet of soy sauce and like... Oh Same. man, Ria, like, like you're <laughs> unlocking it. Speaking of snack, ooh, I have some snacks for you. Are we doing our own BuzzFeed video right now? <laughs> you, you brought snacks to the studio. Okay, so you do. You have you bring in some snacks out. I have two. Oh my goodness! Here we go. What do we have here? Oh my gosh! This is how. This is my icebreaker. This is how I make friends. Like, have <laughs> you done? Like, when I was little, I was when I was you know kids. Like, I usually make friends giving snacks. Like, I would give you this, and yeah. you know, we become friends. So you're my um, kind of friend. I appreciate <laughs> you brought snacks along. So so the first one is I talk about this in my cookbook as well. This is my favorite snack. I actually gave it to Jen Set too. Oh so yeah, that's Jen, your editor. Okay, <laughs> this is the best. Okay, so I'm opening this up. The uh, texture will 
be will blow your mind. All right, so do you want to explain like how yeah. they look like? Well, yeah. So these are uh, they look like small cheese puffs, but they're not. These are rice rice puff snacks, um, and it has a kinako mm-hmm. flavor. Um, and I'm gonna I'm gonna go in right now. Yeah. yeah what do you think about that? Mmm. Toasted rice. This is toasted rice. It's a toasted uh, soybean. Mmm. Toasted soybean. Mmm. Amazing. It's like I was. Um, I feel like it, it's if cotton candy and rice cracker had a baby. That's gonna be that. It's like the airy melting your mouth. <laughs> you know, I've written a lot of books about. I've written a lot. I've written two Korean books with Yuki Hong, and I've been to Korea like seven, eight times. I've been to Japan a few times, and um, snack foods in both countries are at a different level. Yeah. Like, absolutely, the engineering, the ingenuity in both Japan and Korea with snack foods. Why is that? I I recognized our snacks are also seasonal. We have some staple snacks, but we have seasonal flavors. I feel like Japan had such an amazing, distinctive season difference. So we are obsessed with seasonal fruits, seasonal ingredients, um, that it's kind of like brought into snacks as well, I feel oh. like. So 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 well said. Um, because even though it has like a colorful, you know, it looks like it's industrial and it may be industrial. If you go to like Hokkaido, there's like a great seasonal snack that comes in like a Colby bag. Yes. But it's like made in Hokkaido and it's only there. It's such mm-hmm. a good point. I've, Hokkaido I've melon. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I've, I've been to Hokkaido. I love Hokkaido. I've, mm. I've spent some time there. All right. So the second snack I'm going to try that you graciously brought in is um, is umami seaweed. This snack is um, uh, my favorite since when I was high school. Seaweed and like crunchy potato. And if you um, add hot water, it becomes potato salad. Interesting. So you can rehydrate these with water. Yeah. <gasps> but who want to eat potato salad as a snack? I mean, me. <laughs> add a little bit of koozie for it and we're, we're in town. Um I like the way that um, MSG, I mean, invented in Japan and an incredible ingredient for cooking. It hits hard on this one. Mm. This is a nice MSG. Do you taste? Yeah, com- oh, wow. completely with oh, this wow. one. Yeah. That's why maybe I like it. Yeah. Um, it's like the sixth ingredient, seventh ingredient. Yeah. Um, glutamates, naturally occurring or not, are, are just like an unlock. Mm. And the term umami is a Japanese term, the fifth flavor. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's it's naturally occurring parmesan and tomatoes and et cetera, et cetera, seaweed. But it's also MSG. And and what's what's your take on MSG? Um, I have nothing against with it. I th- I've read a lot of articles. Um, so now we know it's not bad for your health. Um, it, it's something like we had it. Like I had, my mom had a little jar um, next to, you know, so, like salt and Yeah, next sugar. to the salt, yep. So, yeah, I don't have anything against with it. I think the first time I start seeing, like, no MSG sign was in Australia when I was exchange student. So, yeah. Speaking of that, you were living in Osaka and you end up in West Virginia. (laughs) And you write in your book that you ended up in West Virginia because you you assumed it was close to New York City. Um, On the map, very close enough. (laughs) Maps are interesting (laughs) objects. So, Rie, let me ask you. Honestly, how was your time in West Virginia? I was a exchange student, and um, my first time in the U.S. <gasps> <laughs> <laughs> I I wonder why people like 
a lot of other American students kind of like made fun of me when I said I'm going to West Virginia. But it was a beautiful place. It is. It's beautiful. And um, I grown up in a suburb. Um, so there was some familiarity and like similarity. Like there is beautiful, especially in fall. Um, but um, I was um, living in Osaka. It was such an urban metropolitan city. So um, it was very different. Did you make a lot of friends when you were living in West Virginia? Was it, was it, did you find it easy? You're, you're a very friendly person, so maybe I would assume it was probably easy. I made lots of friends, yeah. and um, I was living in a dorm, but moved to a big house and lived with a bunch of international students. Yeah. And we sometimes cooked together. Um, there was a Spanish couple making meatballs, and she was adding sugar into tomato sauce. She was saying, like, American tomato is a little, like, high in acidity. Yeah, more acidic, yeah. Yeah, so she wanted to balance it out. And um, I met, um, there was a Mexican international student. He made mole. I never had mole before. Amazing. Wow. But I didn't like it. <laughs> At the first time, I love mole now, yeah. but at that time, my mind, he said, oh, my, I'm using chocolate on my sauce, uh, in my sauce. And I saw, like, in my head, it's going to be sweet, and it was not. No. So my brain was so confused, and I wasn't in, into it, but now I love mole. Well, you live in Southern California. That's so true. Great <laughs> versions of it. Yeah. Um, Holbosch has some, mm. some great moles there. Now, let me ask you, when you were doing these group dinners, was there a time when you cooked? And what was that? What were you cooking for the group? Um, I have to think about it. Um, so in, you mean in West Virginia? Or yeah, different? in West Virginia, when you were living in this international student house and you're, you know, your roommate made you mole mm -hmm. and the woman added sugar to tomato sauce. What was the Japanese version of that meal? So I... Um, I wasn't interested in cooking that much. Um, I wanted to be fly attendant. Yeah. Um, so like I didn't think myself as um, you know, pursuing food industry career. Um, I what did I make? I maybe like made some like rice balls and nikujaga for sure. Yeah. So nikujaga is like very um I would say it's my uh, comfort food. Um, it's stewed potato, um, onion, and carrot, and meat. And usually it's thinly sliced beef. Mm -hmm. But I couldn't, you know, find thinly sliced beef in West Virginia. Yeah. No <laughs> so, H-marts there. No H-marts. Yeah. So um, I use ground beef as a, um, you know, compromise. And I actually, it works pretty well. So now I put in my cookbook. I like that. I noticed in the book that you talk about this, this swapping in ground for thinly sliced, but it has the richness of flavor. And really, when you're thinking about these dishes, when it's like long braises, it's fine that you're getting that beefy flavor in there. You're not getting the full cup, but it doesn't quite matter. Mm-hmm. Doesn't. Very yeah. smart. So let me ask you about collaborating with Sanai. She's been a guest on This Is Taste and uh, is a novelist. And I would say a, a, a really great food writer, but also writer of fiction. How did you link up with this unique collaborator? So um, I was looking for a co-author. And Jen said, my yeah. editor, she recommended Sanai. She said, you're going to be great. Like, you guys going to be 
uh, great together. But if you'd like to interview more people, I can give you some list. And I wanted to work with Japanese person or Asian person or like somebody who is very familiar with Japanese cooking. And um, but Sanae and I hit it off immediately. Like I, I interviewed her. And first I thought she's too cool for me. She wrote a novel <laughs> and she's like part Japanese, part French. She speaks like three languages. And uh, but I, uh, my book agent um, suggested um, you are going to talk to your co-author every week. So you have to choose somebody you will like to meet every week. So um and it was Sanae. So I, um, you know, picked her as a co-author. And we become best friends. Like, she is amazing. And I was so looking forward to talking to her every week. And I almost jokingly said, I don't want to finish writing this book so I can talk to you every week. No, there's actually, it's real. Like, I've, I've had collaborations where I've, like, been bummed that it's been over. Like, it's it's you spend so much time and, and emotion writing this book with a collaborator. You, mm-hmm. you form that bond. Yeah. I also, like, heard, you know, opposite kind of the story. Some people had to, like, fall apart because, you know, kind of they have misunderstanding or, like, you mm-hmm. know. But... We are, like, I'm so fortunate. Like, I'm, like, one of the, you know, I don't know, like, the, the best thing happened to me through this book is, like, meeting her. Yeah. Let's talk a little bit more about the book itself. And, and you're, you're, you shot at PropLink in L.A. We're getting a little bit in the weeds, but I have to mention it because we shot a book there as well, Lasagna, Anna, and I did. And you worked with Jenny and you worked with um, a great team. And you also worked with with uh, Jihee Kim, who I just met. It runs this great restaurant in L.A., Perilla. You brought together all these amazing women to come together on set. And I'm not trying to make this a gender conversation, but I just looked at the photo and I'm like, wow. These you got a cool crew here. Thank you. Yeah. So Jenny and I met through Jihi. Um, Jihi, as you mentioned, she owned this really cool Korean abanchan place in um, LA. She and I used to work for Rustic Canyon, and um, she's the toughest woman I've ever met. She had a baby and opened a restaurant the same year, and. Um, she introduced me to Jenny, and immediately I cannot think anybody except her because <laughs> she's also part Japanese and part Vietnamese, and she knows Japanese culture so much, and she collects um, Japanese, you know, little, like, chopstick folders or, like, little plates, and she let me borrow, like, for the shoe as well, and she's just such a, like, laid-back and, like, positive and... I just met so many um, amazing women through this cookbook as yeah. well. It's great that you say that about Jenny. Incredible talent. And, mm-hmm. and I, I love to work with her. She she shot a lasagna with us and has shot, worked on taste projects in the past. On This Is Taste, we asked guests about their discerning taste. So to close this interview, here's a little rapid-fire Fast and Furious taste check. Are you ready? I am not. <laughs> You're so ready. I know you are. I don't like rapid fire because, like, I'm so slow. <laughs> well, 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 we'll make it medium fire. Okay. okay. The best American breakfast food. Pancakes. The best Japanese breakfast food. Japanese breakfast set, like fish, rice, natto, miso soup. Why is there a band named Japanese breakfast? Is it really that good? 
I think so. You should ask her. I know. I want to, I want to meet her. What's she here? Michelle. Yeah. Her. I've never met her, but she publishes here. Yeah. Okay. It, but it is true. Like, it is a great name because it is a great thing. Mm-hmm. The set. You're talking about the set. Set. <laughs> what about, like, Japanese pancakes in Tokyo? I've had, like, flippers that went there. I don't like it. It's Ooh, too eggy. That? Yeah. Right? I don't know if I agree, but when you say right, I know what you're saying. <laughs> I, I, I just, I'm not a huge hater I, of pancakes, but I've, I, it is eggy. Yeah, I don't like uh, souffle pancake. It's the, like it's became such a like craze, but personally, I don't think it is that. I'll take French toast over it, to be honest. Mm, but maybe that's also I too eggy. I love French toast too. It's no, little... no, I like French toast. But I when I make French toast, I only use egg yolk. Yeah, totally got to agree. agree. You, mm. you can't like mess around with the white. Mm-hmm. All right, the best dessert. Best dessert. I, this one is the hardest. I cannot choose. Oh, best dessert. Maybe seasonal fresh fruits. That's so boring, but it's. <laughs> I'm only kidding. Okay, fine. No, it's... nothing can be like peach in the peak summer, though. Agree, and especially at the end of a meal, you know, with all like umami-rich foods, mm-hmm. you crave something to like reset and end. And sometimes it's like a, a really fresh peach, yeah, and that's what you need. It's, or or it's like chocolate ice cream or whatever. But it's why you after the, a great meal like omakase or even a, a couple rolls, mm-hmm. you're like craving something to finish. Yeah, it's just like fruits. It's a gift from the arts. Mm-hmm. I love that. Okay, a few more. Your favorite American fast food chain. Jollibee counts? Yeah, is it Filipino? It's Filipino, but I think it's enough here that that does count. Okay, Jollibee. Jollibee, okay. Your favorite cookbook of all time? Um, I have so many cookbooks, so I cannot choose one. But the one I use the most is 4120 Blackbird's Pie Book. Oh, my gosh. I, call, I call it Pie Bowl, my <laughs> Pie Bowl. <laughs> <laughs> it's so great. I used to live in Carroll Garden, and they opened Goana's location, like, you know, the first location. I, is it still there? It is still there. I used to live in Carroll Gardens myself. Oh, my God. Yeah, I was on first place. How about you? I was on, um, oh, I was on Douglas Street. Cool. So, yeah, 4, 4 and 20 is still open. What a book. Yeah. So, I used to go there every single weekend after they opened, and I had a pie and, like, tea. My oh. friend eventually um, became a pie maker there, oh, nice. and she gifted me that book. Your favorite recent cookbook discovery? <laughs> Uh, Chili Crisp by James. Um. Yeah, James Park, Jamesy. <laughs> I love him. He's, He's the best. my buddy. Yeah. He's my buddy too. And, and honestly, his story about you know being exchanged from Korea and ending up in Alabama. Yep. So. We we kind of so we were internet friends for a long time, and we met first time in LA when he was touring, and we kind of bonded together. About like there are so many um, Asian Americans here, but. We are immigrants. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so we kind of bonded how, like, difficulty of, like, you know, visa, green card Yeah, the visa, the immigration status. Mm-hmm. And the process is, right. it's, James is great. Such a good call. Yes. Your favorite vegetable? Uh, uh, favorite vegetables. I love all the vegetables. Oh, um, when I see eggplant in the menu, I definitely order. So I must say eggplant. It's one of those vegetables, obviously, it's throughout the world, but in Japan, amazing. Yeah. Because you add mirin soy sauce sugar. Mm-hmm. Sometimes miso. And sometimes miso. Mm-hmm. And wow, it's a new thing. Mm-hmm. New day. Last one, your favorite sandwich? Um, any kind of sandwich. 
Do you think hamburger is sandwich? Like hot dog uh, sandwich? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. Those are not sandwiches. That's okay. I love fruit sando. Yes. Japanese, um, like shokpan, like white bread, yep. whipped cream, and fruits. That is, there's nothing like a fruit sando. Yeah. Are you going to get it like 7 Eleven or are you going to get a nice bakery? Mm-hmm. There's a range. Oh, yeah. I went to Kyoto, I think, um, and I kind of stumbled upon this coffee shop. They have like seasonal fruit sandal. So they had um, hoshigaki and a pear. It was so good. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. I am now in seek. I'm I am now seeking a fruit sandal. Mm-hmm. Ray McClaney, thank you so much for joining This Is Taste. Thank you so much for having me. Evan Wittenberg, welcome to This Is Taste. What's going on? Uh, not a ton. It's, uh, yeah. It's great to see you, buddy. I've, uh, I've known you for a minute. Um, you're a good friend of mine, as is your, your folks, John and Aaron. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, you've also been in the pages of Taste, and I wanted to invite you in. You're 13. Um, how, how's that? How's that being a 13-year-old these days? It's all right. It's fine. Yeah. I don't have that strong that many strong opinions on it, but I mean, it's okay. <laughs> it, yeah, it's 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 what it is. Yeah, um, this is pretty cool, but other than that, I, I don't really know. Yeah. <laughs> well, I wanted to, you've been in on in the pages of taste. You interviewed Phil Rosenthal. Yeah, that was like oh boy, six six years ago. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I loved that in, in interview because you asked such great questions. So I wanted to have you back. Um, and let's like just check in about some things uh, in the in the world of a thirteen year old. Uh, first, you know, what's your? Are you still a Phil fan? Oh yeah, absolutely. I saw him like a couple years back. I think it was Michael Salamanov uh, interviewing him in Philly. Oh right, that was pretty cool. Um, I haven't seen like whatever the latest season is. Um, yeah. But I saw like the last few since uh, I interviewed him. <laughs> I mean, they've still been good. There's no reason why I haven't stopped watching them. I just haven't found the time. It's right. all good. You got you got stuff going on, and and yeah. and somebody feed Phil. You know, it's on always. You can always catch up on episodes. So oh yeah. Since that interview you did with Phil, you you kind of asked him to to come to Philadelphia, and he did eventually. What's your assessment of of uh, of him visiting your hometown? I thought that was a great episode. I thought it was really good. There were a few. Restaurants, I think he should have gone to. Sure. Um, and I might bring him up in the the question about places in Philly. Um, but I thought it was a pretty great episode, especially that guy he talked to in his garden. Yeah. I forget what he was called, but he was really cool. I liked his uh his like backyard setup. Though. Oh my gosh, that I love that scene. He was like that making was awesome. this incredible brunch, um, on his grill. I was like, this guy, I want to know this guy. And the shot of him running up the uh, the staircase to the art museum that was pretty fun. Oh, that's funny. Yeah, yeah. Phil Rosenthal. We're all we're all fans. I'm glad to hear that you're you've moved on from Phil because yeah. I love Phil Rosenthal. All right. A big reason I wanted to have you on a 13 year old on the show is like I wanted to get a sense of what folks you know in your age range are you like into food at that age? Like you you and your peers. I don't know about my peers. I really like to cook personally, but yeah. other than that, I don't know. I. I mean, I like food a lot. What? I have a few friends that make cakes a lot. Oh, really? That's like a, they're more bakers than than cooking dinner. That's cool. Uh-huh. I mean, yeah. What about like food media, like YouTube? I'm, I would imagine Twitch, perhaps live stream. You know, TikTok. Are there any like what's are you and your friends talking about food stuff at all? Not really that much. Um, but 
in terms of food media, I do love Phil and uh, Babish, that guy. I think you talked to him once. Yeah, yeah. That was pretty cool. I like him. And the other, the little series they have besides that, Anime with Alvin, those are both really cool. Oh, definitely. I, that's a good show. Yeah, but other than that, I don't really watch. Oh, I love Great British Bake Off. Um, Let's go there. I like that. So you, you're you, that's on Netflix, right? You're watching that show? What, yeah. What, why, why do you like it? Mostly just for background noise, although sometimes the ones where they bring comedians on are, are cool. The one with James A. Castor, I really like that whole run of episodes when he was on. I don't. I, I'm not, I haven't watched the show personally. Um, I, I'm no judge. I'm not trying to, to be snarky. I, I, it's a good show, but it's cool that you're into that. Um, what about cooking? Like you mentioned, your friends make cakes. Are you guys like? Are you are you talking about recipes at all? Are you reading any cookbooks? I mean, you guys read a lot of different things. Oh no, I'm more of a breakfast guy. I'm yeah. Fine at lunch and dinner. I'm like confident with those but i prefer like breakfast stuff like, you're making uh, breakfast so what, what's what's on your like what's on your list of of breakfast foods that you're making i'd say french toast i'm pretty solid mm. at and apparently scrambled eggs because i make that for dinner a lot for my parents but um mostly breakfast although i think it can you can't do breakfast for dinner i i disagree hard i'm gonna say buddy i i, I actually like breakfast for dinner but i like you're in your lane Appreciate oh no it. i love breakfast for dinner oh you, sorry okay we agree okay good yeah. So let's talk about making eggs, scrambled eggs. What's your technique? Let's go there. Mostly just mixed eggs. I'm not aware of another technique there. <laughs> I've seen people who add either milk or water. Yes. And I know some person who adds milk. <laughs> and I tried it once and it's too runny. It makes it really, really runny. It's true. Say so it's the same with omelets. I know. Too much milk in it. If you're doing a folded omelet, it can be, it's too much. I, I don't like, I like adding milk to scrambled eggs personally. Huh. I prefer really cooked scrambled eggs and uh. omelets because I'm not that much of an egg person because <laughs> I don't really like egg yolk as a texture, like at all. Like um, yeah, the type like sunny side up eggs, I ca I can't do, or like uh. yeah, deviled eggs, not really either. But it, that's less because of the texture. I just don't really like the taste of like egg yolk besides the texture. Fair. Yeah. Evan, what's another go-to recipe? Could be breakfast. It could be anything else that you that you like to make. Mostly just French toast. Yeah, French toast. Besides that, um, bacon, I'm all right with. Yeah, I'm fine with bacon. Do you do the oven method or do you right in the pan? Pan usually. That's yeah. I've never done used an oven for for it, but like other than that, I've only been taught to use the pan because I've made I've only made it like five times. Word with other people. I see people using the sheet pan in the oven, but I I don't yeah. subscribe to that either. I'm with you. Yeah. I feel like that would be used mostly for, like, Canadian bacon, right? Yeah, thicker bacon, yeah, thicker cut, sure. Um, okay, we're going to talk about Philly now. It's your hometown, Philadelphia. Um, great food city, absolutely. A little underrated, actually. Um, let's go over some of your favorite places to go out in Philadelphia, where you where you live, or just, like, in general. Wawa. First first of all, oh, definitely shit. Wawa. Okay, you're talking about this is this is great. So wow, what is Wawa for our for our non you know mid Atlantic listeners? Well, it's a uh, culinary institution. <laughs> uh, certainly, probably best restaurant of all time. I'd have to say. Um, Fair enough. Mm -hmm. it, wait, it rivals Sheets. We always have our Sheets Wawa. Oh yeah, are you kidding me? It's better Absolutely. than Sheets. Okay. Oh my God! By so far. This hurts. I'm sorry. I'm alienating probably a lot of your audience, but like, <laughs> I mean, I like a Sheets. Yeah. It's like second place to Wawa, which okay. feels really mean. But <laughs> All right. So what do you order at Wawa? Let's go there. All right. Meatball hoagie. Yeah. Uh, just meatball hoagie. No cheese. Just meatballs. 
probably Pringles usually. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I don't usually get much more than that. That's but, fair. Uh, it's a good order. They have pizza. <laughs> I've heard... Not a glowing review. No, I've heard many different opinions on it. Okay. Um, I haven't had their burger yet. I assume it's incredible because yeah. it's Wawa. Very cool. Same with their chicken sandwich. I've had no, I have had the chicken sandwich. The chicken sandwich was really good. Mm-hmm. But other than that, I don't really know anything besides the meatball hoagie. For our listeners, by the way, a hoagie is a sandwich. I'm just like translating. Some of our listeners are from like maybe Oregon or Canada or London. Okay. They're like, what is a hoagie? Uh huh. It's what uh, people call subs. <laughs> Submarine sandwiches. Yeah. It's like a subway, but it's a, they, we call them hoagies in the east, in the Mid Atlantic East Coast. Some people call them grinders. That Ooh. just seems terrible. Definitely grind. I, I grew up really? in Michigan, and we had a grinder wow. place called Mancino's. We were we're team grinder. That's insane. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, no, it's it's it, the it, the language of the English language is is fascinating. Endless well. Um, okay, so we started with Wawa at number one in Philadelphia Fair. Okay, let's 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 talk some more restaurants. It's a great restaurant city. For like other hoagies that isn't Wawa, uh, Mancuso <laughs> Mancuso's is really good. Um, I'm a little biased because most of the ones I thought of were like really close to me, but Mancuso's is really good. They have a really good turkey hoagie, and you can just add on whatever you want. Definitely, that place is pretty great. Um, there's a bagel place called Need that I've been going to yeah. with my dad. Needs every, cool. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Every Saturday since, like, 2014. Needs a cool place. I love that. It's outside. Yeah. Yeah, they they had a uh, ninth anniversary thing, and they had a... It sounds really weird. It was like a birthday cake bagel. Oh, fun. Except it didn't taste bad like birthday no. cake ice cream. I mean, <laughs> it had, like... They had a cream cheese frosting <laughs> with, like, bits of the, like, birthday cake crumble in it. And then they had a bagel that they had like some sort of Nutella-y stuff in the batter <laughs> and some sort of crumbly stuff that they put in. That was really good. But, I mean, they only had that for one day, but they have mostly a really good selection. For bagels, there's another place called Vanilla that's really good. They have a really good cheddar bagel. You hear, or you heard it here, bagels are not only a New York City thing. Philly's doing an okay job. Like oh, yeah, 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 absolutely. What about restaurants? Like, you know, dine-in establishments. Do you have any favorites? Let's see, there's a great there's a great Mexican place called Los Caballitos that I'm pretty close to. Um Los Caballitos Cantina. Um but besides that, there's a ton of other places. Um Vernick I've been to. Oh nice. Um that place is really cool. Yeah. I went there I think once. I have not been to Vernick. Uh it's been on my list for forever. It's really good. Yeah. They give you like cheese bread. Which nice. automatically makes it really good. That's a good call. Um, Comp gratis cheese bread to start. It's more of like a hot pocket, but mm. without anything inside of it. Sort of like a hollow hot pocket. Nice. It's Industry really folks listening, you're going to win a 13-year-old with a hot pocket for free. Gratis. Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, you mentioned Mike Salamana. He had moderated the conversation with Phil Rosenthal. Yeah. But I'd like to get your sense about Mike in the city of Philly. He's got some great restaurants. What does Mike Salamana mean to Philly for you? Uh, I think he's definitely really important to like food in Philly because he like started bringing attention to it. I really like, uh, obviously Federal Donuts is great. I haven't been to Zahav. Yeah. Um, but I did go to Laser Wolf once on my mom's birthday. Man. That place is really cool. Uh, mostly because it's like just a ton of small things and then a ton of pita. Um, Such a great concept. Solid team. He's got those salads. He's got pita. He's got a little soft serve. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, that place was great. Um, yeah. 
I'm more familiar with Federal than anything else, yeah. any of his other projects. But yeah, he had a like restaurant that was right near me and he would just stand outside all the time. I think yeah. it was, he was still like running Zahav, but he just was like near there. He's a good guy. Yeah, he's a really he's nice been guy. been on the show. He's a, he's, a real, he's a really cool guy to hang yeah. out with. And he's been on Phil too. Like on Yes, couple. yeah, yeah, he's definitely. Okay, let's talk about school lunch because right now I have this like vision of what school lunch is, which is like the opposite of mine growing up, which is a while ago. I think of mine, I had like square pizza and really bad salads with salad dressing from like from a bottle. What are you eating these days? School lunch where I go is pretty pretty nice. Um although yeah, I think it's more so the people that work uh at school cafeterias, usually the one of my the ones in my school are really nice, nice, and I think kind of underappreciated. Yeah, but yeah, I think the there's a pretty solid burger at my school. Although uh, at my last school there was some sketchy pizza too. Um, <laughs> yeah, I don't know from where. I don't think anyone knew from where. <laughs> it did make someone throw up. Was it like Gordon Food Service or something? It actually might have been. There's yeah. a solid chance that it was. Yeah. It was yeah. really bad. It tasted like plastic. I've never eaten plastic, but I no. assume it would taste yeah. like the pizza. You, you envision it. Back to your point it. about the lunch crew, agree fully, underappreciated, really, really important. They're feeding you know, kids who are growing and learning, and yeah. they're like doing a hard job. Anyone who's worked a restaurant job is hard, but can you imagine doing it with a bunch of kids? Oh, yeah, we're way more judgmental. <laughs> You're way more judgmental, of course. You, and you can't yelp them either, right? <laughs> or maybe you do. No, there's like rate your teacher, but I can't assume they have lunch <laughs> staff. Rate your lunch? Oh, man, that could be rough. Um, do you, by your assessment, how could they improve school lunches, though? What, what, should they, what should they do? If there was like a governmental, if there was like a presidential like order to, to rev- revise and change school lunches, what would you do? More tater tots. And I, hold on, I'm more of a tater tot person than a french fry person. Yeah. Mostly because tater tots are better, not better, but they're still good when they're cold, I would argue. Yeah. But french fries cold just get really cardboard. Like They lose their luster for sure. Oh my gosh. Well said, Evan. The tater tot edict is, is made. The order, the more tater tots on menu. Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, do you have vending machines in your school? No. Uh, I don't. Yeah, they banned those. Like they used to have these. They used yeah. to have like Fruitopia machines in my school, and like they, they got rid of those. It's like they got smart. I would say mostly because those were terrible for you. I had. I yeah, remember truth. in preschool they would give the us the little uh, hug barrel things. Oh yeah, those are incredible. Are you they have me? like a hundred thousand grams of sugar. They're so bad for you. Yeah, you know. They're like the the. Do you see the like whole thing with the Panera lemonade? Oh yeah, that has like sure. enough caffeine to like sedate an elephant. Yeah, I want to have one. The, the 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 enough caffeine for like no. six coffees. Those are so terrible. There's a Panera around the corner if you want to go get a drink after this <laughs> interview. I would love to try it. No, it's a little bit crazy that that's actually a product, but they're leaning into it. They have not banned it yet, which is interesting. Which is insane. <laughs> I agree. That's su- that's already such a health code violation. Yeah, yeah. It's it seems like it should be. All right, Evan, on This Is Taste, we ask guests about their discerning taste. So to close this interview, here's a little rapid-fire, fast and furious taste check. Are you ready? Absolutely. Okay, the best breakfast food? Hash browns. Well said. McDonald's version or your own homemade? Mm. I have another opinion about McDonald's, but... Sure, let's go there. Um, home- homemade hash browns are fine. Usually diner hash browns, because the amount of butter diners use is so surprising. 
<laughs> Surprising and they don't use enough or No, no, no. They use so much. Yeah. There's totally. so much butter in diner food. I know, it's true. And that's probably why it's the best. Agree. Very nice point. The best dessert. I think frozen yogurt. Okay, let's go there. Are we going like going oh like pinkberry, like tart? Or are we going like chocolate? Oh, absolutely handles? not tart. Okay. <laughs> You're going sixteen handle style. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Um I don't prefer a particular place. Yeah. But I would say it's superior to ice cream because it's like every flavor of ice cream, but as soft serve. Yeah. Which is already ideal. I love ice cream because I'm a human, but like <laughs> it's has a better texture than like hand scooped ice cream. And I love hand scooped ice cream. I love both. Right. But I feel like it's the best part of soft serve it's combined like- with the best part of like ice cream flavors fair the really big observation here evan I, i'm into it so like soft serve your feeling is like not doing the full flavor thing you need to be froyo to get like the real flavors right exactly yeah. and there's another place called like brewers in maryland and it has 24 flavors of soft serve and mm. they have like a coffee soft serve that's like some of my favorite ice cream but i think that along with being able to make it yourself is kind of a bonus plus it just looks really nice looks cool I don't usually go for, like, how stuff looks, but, like, fr- frozen yogurt just looks really nice. Do you have a gram Instagram? No, I don't. That's cool. Are you going to get one? Are you post-Instagram? No, yeah. Probably yeah. not. Probably, Probably not. Never. You're like, yeah. nah. Eh. I don't care. I don't have TikTok either. Eh. Fair. Eh. You're, it's, it's, not, it's not for you. I you know. moved on. Uh, yeah, I'm like a grandpa. <laughs> <laughs> nah, I like your style. Like, keep, it, keep it in the analog world, in the real world. No, seriously, I, I am. I learned what SMH means like a week ago. Okay. It took me a little while for that one, too. I was always like, what? Yeah, that's good. Yeah. All right, I've, I respect it. All right, a few more of these. Your favorite American fast food chain? Shake Shack. Uh, love the call. Um, why? They have the best fast food burger. I think the fries could definitely be improved on. It's a global note. I, yeah, I feel like Five Guys has the best fries generally. Yeah. I think but, so. I mean, because of the bags there and they make them, they like make them very fresh. Is that why? Yeah, those, that's a bonus. But I feel like the like weird triangle cut, I don't like it. I don't know. The, crinkle like, cut? Yeah, crinkle cut. Yeah, yeah. I don't like that. Yeah. I don't understand. And there's always the bits of tiny, like just potato shreds. They, <laughs> they turn into like crinkle cut fries and they're like the, at the bottom of the box. To quote you, because we're human, they're not good. That's what I'm saying. Oh, yeah, definitely not. Not yeah. good. Um, your favorite restaurant in the world? Huh. Um, oh, there's a really good place uh, that I'm near that I forgot to mention in the Philly thing um, called Moon Knight Ramen. It's really good. It opened up like this summer, nice. and it has really good stuff. It that place it. is great. I don't know if it's necessarily my favorite in the world, but it's really good, and I also forgot to bring it up in the Philly food section. It has like pho and ramen. Oh, cool! And they make like, like pastry there, pastries there too, and it's open pretty late. Nice pick, I like it. Yeah, moonlight ramen, liking it. No, moon night. Moon night. Sorry, moon night. Uh, ramen, liking it. Okay, a couple more. Your favorite cookbook of all time? Koreatown and Food IQ now available at all ma- major retailers. My man, my man, those are great p- calls. I'm sorry, I had a different pick. That's not true. Um, <laughs> Thank you for being honest. Mm-hmm. Also, there's a. Uh, of Tide and Time, it's the official cookbook for the Junior League of Annapolis. Um, my grandma used to make a ton of stuff from there. There's like a honey mustard chicken that's really good. What a good call. 
the Annapolis, that's... It's a little obscure. It's a, it's a little bit obscure. It's a deep cut, but I, I, I like the call. They do a community cookbook. Those are really fun. Yeah, I've that. only seen it in the wild once, and that's like in my grandfather's in... pantry. But <laughs> I don't know if it's in print anymore. <laughs> I have no idea. You could probably find it at local Goodwill in the Annapolis area. Oh, absolutely, yeah. All right, last one, your favorite sandwich. Burger. And it's really it's really easy to do wrong. But I agree with the burger guy you had on here that said you don't need that many toppings. I mean, I was going to say the, the the hamburger is not a sandwich, but... Exactly. Oh, so you're saying you're going to say it is a sandwich. Are well, we disagreeing I'm... on that point? Yes. <laughs> I feel like if it's bread and some sort of topping and sauce, or multiple toppings, then then what is it? Then what is a burger? It's a burger, but I'm not going to debate this. You've got the last word, my man. I love it. And Wittenberg, this has been so fun. Thank you so much for joining This Is Taste. Yeah, thanks. That was super fun to do. This Is Taste is hosted by Eliza Abarbanel and me, Matt Rodbar. The show is produced by Shalia Harris and Pat Stango and edited by Clayton Gumbert. Theme music by Steve Rydell. Visit Taste Online at tastecooking.com and make sure to subscribe to our newsletter for updates on all cool things that are happening. 